0: I'm Mike Gillis.
1: And I'm Casey Doran. And this is Radio vs. the Martians.
2: Are round and weird. Yeah, I thought because I thought they were sawed off grease guns. And uh they're not. They were hype they were cheap, high point shit. And the thing uh, I kinda
0: noticed watching Star Wars movies, and then I work at a bookstore and there's like a book with pictures of different various World War II firearms, and I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. that's a stormtrooper rifle. And you can just see that they just take a regular gun and put some crap on it. Right. And the same thing like Han Solo's gun is like a German handgun. And you just kind of, it's got a giant scope on it that he never uses and, but it looks cool. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole point is you take a thing that's real and it's a lot easier to just take a real prop and turn it into something fake than build something from scratch. Certainly.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's a great YouTube channel called Forgotten Weapons that will cover some of this, but he covers like weird and unused weapons and, um, and, uh, like historical weapons and stuff like that. But then it will occasionally do stuff like the Pancor Jackhammer, which I was aware of, but he had, like, a lot of... He knew a lot about it. Like, he knew that the guy who uh, came up with it uh, was from Tacoma, which I was I thought was surprising. Um, okay, I'm trying to get a list of what movies it's in because it's a long list. Uh, I am... It's it's
0: funny because in you, you look at these things and oftentimes it will even be the same prop. Yeah, that gets moved from movie to movie. I know that the the PKE meter from Ghostbusters shows
2: up again and They Live. And um, you know, the os- the, the the uh oscillation, no, not the from Buckaroo Bonsai. From Buckaroo Bonsai, the overthruster shows up everywhere in Star Trek. Oh, uh, is that the yeah. one with the lights on it? No, but that shows up too. Um, I think that was in the last Starfighter and it's been yeah, in a bunch of things. Yeah. I mean, the the jackhammer, okay, this is games that it shows up in. Oh, no, it's mostly games, but it, it does show up in some movies. But it was in Fallout 2, Delta Force, Max Payne, Fallout Tactics, Some of All Fears. Um, it looks like... Uh, here's a picture of the gun.
0: Oh, God, yeah. You've seen it. Yeah, it's a... side. It, it, the, yeah. the the gun from Aliens bears a certain resemblance because it looks like a science fiction rifle. It's
2: a it's a revolving 12-gauge shotgun. Oh. It is actually really not futuristic at all. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's
0: funny because that was the other thing, too, in a movie like Total Recall and a lot of other ones. Uh, Battlestar Galactica does this as well, which is that they make a, a decision to not have lasers. Right. That we're still going to be a future that has bullets in it. And... Um, I think as far as making an action movie, certainly uh, Total Recall would not have been as satisfying with lasers. Because you don't have the visceral crunch and explode that you get in a lot of these movies, too. That it, Lasers are good if you have a movie that you want to be fairly bloodless. Yeah. Luke Skywalker kills a shitload of people in Star Wars. Not, not even counting the Death Star. Okay, I was about to
2: say. Yeah. The <laughs> Death Star...
0: That's one missile. He just killed thousands of people. But I mean, he kills a lot of people, but it comes across as fairly bloodless. One, because they're all wearing armor that sort of takes their faces away from them. But another part of it is that when you hit somebody with a laser, it leaves a smoking hole in their armor and they just drop dead. Right. There's no one like Escalator guy in Total Recall <laughs> <laughs> or that poor son of a bitch at the meeting where they
1: unveil the Ed two oh nine. Yes. Oh yeah. Which is which is exactly what I thought of each time I, I you know, I see that scene, I'm like, Oh, it's like Ed two oh nine guy. Oh uh, no, the, the you know wh- who I feel the most sorry for when watching Total Recall is those poor scared rats. Oh they you can tell they have got some like like fake rats and they ha- clearly have like three or four live rats and they have this thing where you know the th- thing where oh he's eating the little tracker and so they're shooting at all these rats and they have these close-up shots medium shots really where they're there's a bunch of bullet squibs because they're missing them and hitting the ground and you have like two or three rats that are like s-
2: fucking freaking out yeah.
1: yeah i'm like not okay with that i'm, I'm sorry animals
2: were definitely harmed in the making I, of this well, picture well they,
1: they were you know they're they're their blood pressure rised, yeah. maybe they were traumatized, I don't know. But that's my favorite notation in the credits
0: of, of movies like this, where they say, no animals were harmed in the making of blah, blah, blah. But occasionally, you'll, <laughs> <laughs> that one will be worded differently, and it'll say, the greatest care was taken. Yeah. And you're like, oh. oh. <laughs> this is going to be like a dog's purpose, isn't it? <laughs> But no, that wasn't even... You couldn't well, even put they, that there. Yeah, you
2: can't put that in dogs. press it's like, here you go, dog. Spoosh. There's just a simple line that
0: just says mistakes were made. <laughs> and then the ASPCA logo. <laughs> Everyone was doing it. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, it's the same way that you haven't seen the horse fall
1: down stunt in a long time. Right. Because
0: that probably is not okay.
1: Holy crap. I was... The last time that I watched... Uh... Akira Kurosawa's Kagemusha, which was wasn't his last movie, one of the last movies that he has. In the end, there is this. Uh, it's like the the movie is it culminates in a scene of this one. Of course, they're all about samurai. Of course, this one samurai his his army is getting defeated, and so there's this super long drawn out. It's supposed to be a very dramatic scene of all these guys, guys on foot, guys on horseback, um, dying, and it goes on for like five minutes, and It's not just the... The actors who are going down—it's the horses who are going down, and then horses that are running over where those people and, oh. and, and horses are—and I'm like, I don't know how it could possibly—with the number of ho- guys that fell, stunt guys and stunt horses that fell down, and the number of times there were other horses and people walking over them—how did a horse not die from that? Yeah, you and know, then, you're sort of like <laughs> then you're like it's dramatic, but now I realize this isn't just a movie because they were real people and real animals. Yeah.
2: So the line at the end of the movie is, "Hey, the shot worked." ASPCA logo. Yes. I already got your we money got bro
1: it. it's in the can <laughs> yeah
2: oh but
0: then there's always those stray horses that run off to show that people have died in this battle and they're running off loose how many of those horses are just like well fuck this yeah. <laughs> and just like they're making a serious
1: break for it You're like i don't want to be in a place with all these explosions i think there's one of the blowfeld cats i think has a, uh, yes. a scene where there's like an explosion that goes off and the cat is fucking freaking out and he's trying is it It's It's Donald Pleasance. Pleasance. He's trying to
0: hold on. The professionalism of Donald Pleasance (laughs) is off the charts in that, because this cat (laughs) is clawing into his arm, and he's really just wearing that Nehru jacket, and Donald Pleasance keeps that sort of quiet, Blofeld voice all the while his arm is being fucking shredded,
2: (laughs) and this poor cat is like...
0: (laughs) The cat is seriously... He's going to have flashbacks about this shit later, and it is crazy the shit that that we would do because nowadays you do the same thing like in what was that that sniper movie that brand bradley cooper was in you just have a fake baby yeah you have a fake baby if you're going to be screaming near it but back then they're like yeah fuck it the kid (laughs) kid won't remember this i mean it's it's amazing the stuff that that they would do back in the day uh the ben-hur chariot scene Mm-hmm. People oh, yeah. are like on the ground, and they're just like, "Yeah, run the horse by them real close, as close as you can get without hitting them." And I'm like, "Yeah, I have a hard time believing somebody didn't die doing this." It's I it's. Don't know. Bon- So speaking of things that are terrifying, one of the things (laughs) (laughs) that uh, Casey, you and I have talked about on the show was like stupid childhood fears that we had had. Things that, like for me, it was that Yoda poster at the library. Yeah, It's an inanimate object. If you had asked me as a three-year-old whether that thing could move, I would know that it wouldn't. But yet... It haunted my dreams. It was like the telltale heart with a poster at the library. <laughs> and I was I was terrified for it. So we actually put the, the question out to folks on Patreon if they had any stupid childhood fears. And we have Mr. Sam Mulvey here. So if you do want to chime in with anything that was terrifying to a three- or five-year-old Sam and you laugh at now, feel free to jump in.
2: Part the first, remember my childhood.
0: Uh, <laughs> Are there too many legitimate fears yes. to
2: parse out a fake one? Uh, I don't want to put it that way, but the, yeah, it's a bit on the nose. Um, actually, for a, for a few months, because it was it it may have been a waking dream I had. Um, I was afraid of paint. Of Paint. paint. Whoa. Yeah. That is. That
0: sounds like a, a an art house movie.
2: Because I I woke up and I s- sat up in bed and we had been painting my room yellow and it looked like the paint was peeling off the walls at me and it was going to slap me in the face or something like that. Oh, somebody's got to make this. And I just I just laid down and I'm like, well, can't hit me. Too bad if I'm lying down. <laughs> and. Uh, and for a good long while, um, I was afraid of paint. That's and so strange. That's kind of difficult when your dad paints for a living. Oh
0: God! Yeah, there's layers.
2: Yeah. Oh my God! My dad, and not my, just my, the
1: paint. My dad makes terrifying, man-eating
2: monsters for a living. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was also I was also vaguely <laughs> put off by the salt blocks they sold at the front of of supermarkets for a while. Oh, those are weird. Those are weird. Yeah.
0: So one uh, of the. What... <laughs> one of our our patreon folks uh donovan Ravenhol simply it, we also asked for you know conversational prompts and this one could be a fear but it could also be a conversational prompt but it's just two words it just says jeff Goldblum is that a fear
2: I'm terrified
0: <laughs> yeah um I don't know it could make if you'd seen the fly
2: the fly or earth girls are easy oh god yeah. which is more terrifying
1: yeah
2: i could see that i could totally I, see that is is
1: the question are you afraid of him or just jeff goldblum is it, it just is says jeff, jeff goldblum, goldblum? <laughs> so i don't
0: know if he says i want you to talk about jeff goldblum, jeff goldblum or jeff goldblum haunts my childhood
1: i mean jeff goldblum could be a panel
0: episode you could there's enough there certainly jeff yeah. goldblum is a guy that has a very certain flavor that you add that that to any recipe and it definitely changes is, it. There's there's is such there,
1: a... is there a word for the type I mean this is like the Christopher Walken type of actor. Is there a word for the type of actor where they literally are are always just mostly playing the same sort of vocal affectation and the almost the same type of performance and it doesn't really matter because they're they you like it? There's gotta be like a I'm not, I'm not smart enough to coin one off the top of my head. But I
2: don't know. Is Jeff Goldblum in, in The Fly the same as Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park? I don't
1: think so. I think mm. there's a major difference between I do those,
2: too. The, his, okay. his vocal delivery in those two characters.
0: I think it's a, the difference between someone like, um, what is his name, from uh, Men in Black. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones, I think, is the, one of the best examples. The Tommy Lee Jones post the fugitive post Men in Black is a different animal, yeah, than the the Tommy Lee Jones that you got in the '80s. I
1: thought it was the Tommy Lee Jones post Batman Forever because that just ruined his ruined his psyche. Oh, maybe that's having that to is. get into character to play Two Face just destroyed him.
0: But there's sort of this kind of like. Old, gruff, sarcastic, I've seen everything and you can't phase me kind of older, badass character that he plays. That yeah. he always is to some extent now. It's the same thing with Al Pacino. Al Pacino in The Godfather is like a different species. Right. That he's like understated and quiet and he's not talking like this yet. And, you know, there's a certain point, and I don't know when that line happened that he stopped being these various characters, and he stopped be- started being these various characters as a skin fit over Al Pacino. Right. That this is just a context that Al Pacino exists in, that his character in uh, The Devil's Advocate is very similar to his character in Scent of a Woman, There, except one of them is just a murderer devil, or, and the other one is like...
2: Or Jack and Jill.
0: Jack and Jill. Al- yeah. he's, he's Al Pacino! Yeah. You know, he's... he's it's the same thing he says in Devil's Advocate. The line that I always come back to is absentee Landlord! <laughs> and it's like, but I mean, I think once you have sort of a persona, that you're going to keep going back to that persona because that's what gets you these jobs. But there was
2: there the, like Jeff Goldblum definitely has a persona that that he plays. Who like I just said is the is the Jeff Goldblum of The Fly same as the Jeff Goldblum of Jurassic Park? Not really. But is the Jeff Goldblum of Buckaroo Banzai a lot like the Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park? And I think that's definitely the case. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, because... There's there's
1: only one other... I'm trying to think if there's even... If the fly is just the outlier. I just recently saw the... I think it's an Ivan Reitman movie called Into the Night that he did with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. It was where he's a, a, an engineer who gets has a crazy night and gets wrapped up in this plot and that is the most understated I've ever seen Jeff Goldblum. There was very few like uh eh, eh, ah, uh sort of things in there and he was playing about as straight as he possibly could play a character but that was almost him choosing not to not to play much of a character at all because the uh he needed to be the pov needed to be someone who was less ridiculous than the situation that was enveloping around him but then if the opposite but, end I, of- but i don't know any other performances where jeff goldblum is not doing that stammering crazy guy
0: there's sort of this kind of weird quirky charisma about him and the other end of the spectrum of that is of course you know thor ragnarok where they're just like just be jeff goldblum right just be jeff goldblum we're just gonna dress you like ziggy stardust (laughs) and you're just gonna wear a weird robe and hold a scepter but be jeff goldblum i
2: mean the jeff goldblum archetype character and and for this i'm looking at jurassic park and buckaroo bonsai which is a movie i like talking about sometimes and um uh, Independence Day. Yes. Is that he's a competent character put in a situation where his competence does not entirely match up to the situation. Yeah. And so he stammers and he's confused and he doesn't know quite know what's going on. Must go faster. Yeah. Must go faster. <laughs> and that's, and I haven't seen Thor Ragnarok because I have essentially stopped watching movies since 2014. Um, but from what the way, the way his character has been explained to me in Thor Ragnarok is that He's might be competent in other ways, but he's not competent as ruler of this planet. No, right. So that that's the Jeff Goldblum out of his depth. Is, out, of, out of his depth, but not used to being out of his depth. Because yeah. you got people who are just out of their depth all the time, and that's a certain type of character. It's a uh, quirkiness is a coping
0: mechanism. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I can see a lot of that. Um. But yeah, it's it's a really strange one. But I could also see. I wonder if it is a fear thing, and I almost say that kind of half facetiously because it could be that. Mm-hmm. Um. Our friend uh, Tim Batson says, I had recurring nightmares as a kid of of the Rankin-Bass Gollum from The Hobbit and Return of the King. In the dreams, he would be kept in my father's food storage closet that was adjacent (laughs) to our garage. However, I couldn't stop watching these movies. I guess some part of me really wanted to be terrified. And that animation is still incredible.
2: We're talking about the rotoscoped. No,
0: that's the the Ralph Bakshi. Rankin Bass was the one who, they did The Hobbit and they did Return of the King. There's like, um, where there's a whip, there's a way. (laughs) But uh, there's a...
2: This is not a thing that I knew. uh, There's also a -a Waka Chawaka in that song, too. (laughs) So it's called Where There's a Whip, There's a Way. Yeah. And there's a -a Waka jawaka guitar in it. And
0: it's orc singing, which makes it even better.
2: How how have I not heard of this? Um,
0: it, it was a TV movie. It kind of went under the radar, but if the Lord of the Rings fan pre- It has John
1: Huston playing Gandalf in yeah, it for John shit's Huth- sake.
0: Orson Bean plays uh, Bilbo and later Frodo in those. Jesus. Uh, yeah. Gollum is voiced by a guy who goes by the name of Brother Theodore. Mm-hmm. And I love that version of Gollum uh, because he's so pathetic.
1: Yeah, and- I actually, I think the uh, there's more, there's more terrifying uncanny in um, brother theodore's performance than there is in uh motion mocap guy's performance I can, Why can't I oh, remember oh he's his like name. the mocap guy i just got andy, andy circus and mocap will call him I mc, think, MC I, mocap there's more there's more to be terrified of that sort of sn- it's almost cat like yeah they, in fact they almost gave him a, he almost looks like a weird catfish yeah. in that mm-hmm. movie so they they made him less or orc like and they made him more beastly i guess he's a bit more
0: beastly say. he seems to have kind of a tail Okay. Um. It it seems to be. I think when they made the Hobbit movie, they made it with the mindset of we're just not, not going to pay attention to other versions of the source material that get into the origins of this or that. We're just going to make a neat, interesting version of it. So the elves, uh, the wood elves that you see in that movie are really strange looking. They're like gangly and they almost kind of look like really angry basketball pixies. And um, the spiders are great. Cause they have that voice like that. And what I love about Gollum in that too, is he they really capture the sort of pathetic, angry, but kind of, Sort of tweaker golem. I think they did that really well with Andy Circus as well. Insane
1: clown posse golem.
0: Insane clown posse. But yeah, it's 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 pretty great those movies too, because again, I was a, a Tolkien fan from the time I was like eleven years old. And um before before Peter Jackson, this was, was all I had. I had this and that rotoscoped one.
2: like if you were telling me that you had nightmares about the rotoscoped one, I would believe you. Oh God! There's there's a, it, it's the rank it, it's a Ralph
0: Bakshi movie. Yeah. So Ralph Bakshi definitely gets gets some nightmares. Um, our friend Spurl says I was freaking terrified of Chucky and Critters until I was about twelve. Do you guys remember these ones?
1: I Ch- I just saw Chucky last month uh, for ta- the first for the very first time. We're talking about the from the movie. Child's Play. Child's, Child's Play. Play yeah. yeah.
2: Right. Um. Be- I thought Kawaru... Uh, Kawato from Total Recall looked a lot like Chucky. Yeah, yeah.
0: a little bit Sam Kinnison, a little bit Sam Chucky. Kinnis-
2: Sam Kinnison, Angry what? Baby. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, it's. it's Fuck you, Quaid! <laughs> yeah. <It's what laughs> well, I, kinda... I
1: can't do Sam Kinnison, but you just have to yell, right? Yeah. No! <laughs> but,
0: but what I really kind of love about um, the Chucky movies, I didn't see those until later, but it is, it is essentially a my buddy doll that kills people. Right. Yep. Because he has the soul of a serial killer in him. Those movies are ridiculous, but they're. <laughs> I love, I
1: just love it's Brad, Brad Dorff. I just love him so much.
0: Um, the guys on We Hate Movies love to do an impression of screaming Brad Dorff as Chucky a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's, it's pretty fucking crazy. But yeah, it's, Brad Dorff loves to do that sound and they, they know how to make the doll make that face. So why not?
1: <laughs> so I've only seen the first child's play, but I know that they eventually have a sequel that's Bride of Chucky. And mm-hmm. I think in the first movie, they, um, they make some illusion, like the, the the plot, if you, I don't know if you've have even seen it, if you, anyone who hasn't seen it, remember, is he's a serial killer who makes a, like, he knows someone who knows the Grigri, I guess, and is able to make a dark pact to transfer his soul, his dying body, soul from his dying body to a toy, and he f- realizes that he needs to compel the, the friend of his that did the magic to transfer him back otherwise he'll be stuck in this body of this weird doll forever and he has this like moment of regret where he's like oh I'm never gonna I'm never gonna have any sex uh, and I was like in the in the Bride of Chucky I'm guessing they pay that off and do they have a, a Team America like sex scene between two dolls in Bride of Chucky
0: I can't say that they do but the next movie in that series believe it or not it's called the seed of Chucky <laughs> so I can imagine there's something that does happen and I hope that it's off camera <laughs>
2: That's, it is, so it's just sort of this petroleum-based goop, I presume. <laughs> it probably is. The seed um, of Chucky.
0: Yeah, it's the weird thing with Chucky is that for the it's most... It's injection
2: mold, is, what it is
0: Most of the first part of that series is that he can only <laughs> become human again if he steals the body of the first human he reveals himself to, which is this little boy. Yeah. Um. But somewhere along those sequels, he just like yeah, fuck it, I guess I like being a doll, and I'm just going to kill people. Right on. So, you know, you. F- I guess... Is that character arc?
2: Apropos of nothing, is Grigri actually how you pronounce that word? I think so. I've never known how to pronounce that word. I actually assumed it was Gregoire, which makes... uh, Former uh, Washington uh, Washington governor. uh, Former Washington Washington governor and voodoo practitioner. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: Catherine Grigri.
2: Yeah, okay. That's cool.
0: I I assumed that was like Sam. I was just kind of going with it because I didn't know what
1: word you were using.
2: Well, yeah, I've never heard it pronounced. There's
1: a Dr. John song that's called Grigri.
2: I don't know. Yeah, I've, not that I've heard it, because yeah. then I might be able to. Know, then I might know how to pronounce it.
1: That crazy uh, New Orleans guy who made all this, this weird, folks. Anyways, move but on. The, the thing with the critters one too mentioning
0: critters. I don't know anything about critters except the box art to that movie. Me neither. Yeah, it's like an angry popple. <laughs> That's <laughs> if you remember popples. It's like that, but rated R. Again,
2: th- that should be a movie. It's angry be. popple.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I thought
1: Boglins were angry popples. Are those the ones from? They're like little ugly faces, and they just—they're like little rubbery little. Are those smushed. Mad Balls? They're kind of like Mad Balls, except they're larger and more fully formed, and they, of course, but but uh, they're—I don't know, I don't know. Boglins—they're yeah. like goblins, but the letters are mixed up. But like the, the critters thing, the mention of that by by Spurl made
0: me think a lot about going to the video store as a kid. And all of this box art that I would see over and over and over again for movies that I've never seen. Mm -hmm. And Critters was one of them. There's actually a lot of horror movies that I I am intimately familiar with the box art because I've seen it a thousand times. Like the movie Ghoulies. Yeah. It's like, we all know that poster. We know that VHS box. It's that goblin guy coming out of a toilet. I don't know
2: if that's in the movie or not. Has
0: anyone here actually seen Ghoulies? Because I
2: haven't. No. No. Similarly, a movie that I always... Actually, I asked my dad to rent, and I've never seen—I've never seen it. But I saw it at the at the at the video store, and I was like, "Oh man, I don't know, that might be interesting." Is a boy and his dog. Oh, and my uh, dad was always like, "No, <laughs> no. <laughs> good parenting." No, no, that's a bit too far. I'm like, okay, <laughs> and well, that was a one, cartoon, and that was one that I never actually. Got to see uh, by other means because it was very rarely on cable. And... That's weird because
0: there's some of those that they never made it off of VHS to DVD. Yeah, and there's a. It's weird because I know that every time there's a change in physical media, um, something gets lost because there just isn't the time to transfer all of this stuff. And they're gonna unless course, it's Manos Hands of Fate. Manos Hands of Fate. <laughs> if there's love, there's a way. Yeah. But if you're like one of these middling, you know, direct to VHS, uh, action horror sci-fi movies, a lot of those are going to get lost in the shuffle because there just isn't the love for them that it's really the person who had a video store where that was the movie they rented a bunch of times. So if you've never heard of something like driller killer or, you know, <laughs> which is a real movie that I haven't seen, but apparently it's exactly what it sounds like, um, I'm not sure if they ever made it to DVD, but then Manos gets the fan base. It gets a Blu-ray release.
2: It gets a Blu-ray release from a previously undiscovered 35 millimeter or or whatever print. So the Blu-ray that that they did is amazing quality. I mean, it's not that great because it's still Manos, hands of fate. Don't get me wrong. But it it looks so much better than any other copy of Manos I've seen. It's
1: crazy. We live in a world where that movie gets sentimental love. (laughs) Radio vs. The Martians is hosted by Mike Gillis and Casey Doran. This podcast is recorded in beautiful Val Verde in Seattle, Washington. Our chief engineer is Casey Doran, and our editor is Mike Gillis. Our original theme music was written and performed by Todd Maxfield Matsumoto. Special thanks to Sam Mulvey, Rob Kelly, James Wetzel, Paul Rue, Tobias Panshin, Scott Kramer, Kyle Hepworth, and Dan Lombardo. Please take the time to rate and review our show on iTunes and Stitcher and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please consider becoming one of our Patreon subscribers. Even just a dollar a month gives you access to exclusive episodes. And you can always find us online at RadioVersusTheMartians.com.